Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Alright, thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man, and welcome indeed to the Two Guys at a Mic Show, Thursday edition of the show here on the TalkZone.com, your spot for internet talk radio 24-7, whatever day of the week, whatever hour it might be, there's always something on the TalkZone.com. If you tune in between 10 and 11 on weekday mornings, you get us, the Two Guys at a Mic Show. You never know what might pop up, but there's all kinds of entertaining shows on this fine uh, production that is the TalkZone.com. We got plenty to talk about today, including potentially a new ma- uh, manager for your Chicago Cub. We got some college basketball. Start previewing the weekend in football. I looked over the college football slate for the first time in a long time. Uh, David Olson, it's a little light. Not a full slate of games, which indicates, of course, we are heading to or towards correct grammar. The end of the season. Some decent games, but it's not a full slate. A lot of teams are off this weekend. The NFL, eh. Kind of a boring Sunday, but we got Bears in uh, San Diego to talk about. Also, a little golf interesting action, including Tiger Woods and the President's Cup. We'll talk about all that and more with the big dog and the coach here in the Talk Zone.com. Oh, goodness. Big dog, there's a lot of dot coms out there, but the Talk Zone.com, that's a special dot com. How are you and how's your dot com? You know what? I, I have to work on a dot com. I, I, I've got a really, really good idea for it, and I, I've got people working on it right now. They're efforting, Coach. You've got people, huh? Yes, I Very got nice. people. Very nice. I had people. I don't have any people anymore. I'm a little lonely. I'm trying to find people. If you'd like to be one of my persons or, uh, you know, if you want to be on staff as a people here on the show, I'd love to have some people. Again, Big Doug, I used to have people, but I don't have people anymore. Very depressing. Uh, be very careful. When you when you ask me to be on staff, yes. Okay? And another thing is what I want to show as coach is my people are your people. You always have me, buddy. Okay, remember that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's what I said about my people. I, you know, I talked to you. I said my people are your people. And about a week after I told my people that they're your people, they became your people, and they're no longer my people. What the hell happened? Well, well they found out I was cut, so they really knew I was one of their people. Wait, I'm the one that's Jewish. Well, I'm cut also, Coach. I did it just for uh, maneuverability. <laughs> upward. I want, to be, I want to be upward mobile, Coach. <laughs> oh, goodness. Big dog, good to talk to you, buddy. we gotta, we got to lead off with uh, you know the team that you are, I think I can safely say, probably. I've never asked you this question. Between the Cub and the Bear, those are your two favorite teams. Do you Would you put one as the one that's nearest and dearest to your heart? You know, that's, that's an extremely tough question. It's got uh, to be answer. the Cub. Uh, because, uh, quite honestly, nothing riles me up like football does. I mean, legitimately, I can't sit down and watch a Bears game. I cannot. If you one day you'll watch a Bears game with me, you'll laugh. Okay. I I um, used when I was your age, I was the same way, so I can relate. But nothing, nothing in sports would mean more to me than yes. the Cubs winning the World that's Series. A, that's a, okay. That's, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? But I, 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 I ac- absolutely do, actually. Like, like on April 15th, tax day, I get disgusted about two things. That I'll have to write a check for about $2,000, and I realize the Cubs are mathematically eliminated from the National League Central. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 
I, I like I can deal with the Cubs being bad. I cannot deal with the Bears being bad. If the Bears are even eight and eight, I'm disgusted with it. I'm like you're the charter franchise. I expect Super Bowl championships. I'm not kidding, Coach. And yet, like with the Cubs, oh, they're the Cubs. They lose, oh, they suck again. Okay, hopefully I'm on board. Hopefully next year they'll be good. Obviously, I'm not the fan that doesn't care. I truly, deeply care about the Cubs. But yeah, that's that's one of the toughest questions you could ever ask me. And the mm-hmm. only way I can answer it is I, I, I mean. It would mean more to me if the Cubs won the World Series, yeah. period. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, because I think all of us question, especially in our waiting years, if we're ever going to experience that. We've experienced it with the Bears. It would make it that much more special. Uh, now, it looks like they've made an offer. He is not accepted yet. Apparently, the Boston Red Sox might be asking for a dance, might be yeah. snuggling up a little bit. But uh, Dale, how do you pronounce the last name? Is it, is it Sveal? Flame. Swain. Swain. Which we, we've done this many times, Coach. I'm sure okay. our listeners love our pronunciation parts of the show. I think there's a lot of people out there asking the same question. We are the show that asks the question of the people. And people are asking how it's pronounced. And, you know, I thought it was Dale Sveum. Sveum, by the way, is a little flap just to the left side of the esophagus. Rarely seen, taken out only in emergency, just so you know there is a Sveum next to the esophagus. Thank you very well, much. If they took yours out, you wouldn't be able to talk for at least the rest of the show, right? Well, I'd still have my esophagus. I can do without the sphium. Yeah, well, right now, if that would cause you to shut up, we might need you to do it. <laughs> so, you know, you know what I like about Dale Swayman? There's, there's a couple things. That's, uh, I like <laughs> backup catchers who were defensive grinders and had to figure out how to bunt and hit and run to stay in the major leagues. Yep. Like Mike Matheny, who was a great defensive catcher and a starter for about five to eight years. Uh, they're great. They're great managers. But you know, also, those man, a good managers coach are those scrappy guys that had to play every single position mm-hmm. besides pitcher and catcher because they weren't a good enough hitter. So they had to learn how to hit and run and bunt and do all the little things right. Dale Swain. I mean, Dale Swain was horrible, but he was in the major leagues. If I looked it up on BaseballReference.com, I bet you he was in the league for like ten years. Do you remember him? He was bad. The whole. Oh, yeah, he was with the Brewers. Okay. I know that, and I think he he was with a bunch of other teams after that, but he was a career guy that late in the year, if you had an injury like, with, like, two-year infielders, you knew that this guy can come in mm-hmm. and play defensively. I, I can go look him up on Baseball Reference. Okay. I, I honestly can say I do not remember the career. I don't remember the name of Dale Swaim. Yeah, David? I had 13 years in the majors. 13. And, and how many career at-bats in 13 years? 17. Hold on. Let me call that up. Who's the guy? Is it Tony La Russa, big dog, that batted just once? No, no. Tony La Russa never batted in the major league. Okay. But in a game in 1973, mm-hmm. he pinch ran for a third baseman for the Chicago Cubs. Who do you think he was pinch running for, Coach? In what year? 1973. Santo? Yes. He pinched wow. run for Ron Santo, scores a run, and never appears in another major league game again. <laughs> and he ends up being... He ends up being legitimately, you know, as much as I know he's a pain in the butt. The guy's um, an amazing manager, and That's I do incredible. think he's Did he ever? Oh, yeah. Did Larusa ever take the field as a major leaguer? Uh, I don't believe he did, Coach. I'm almost positive that the only appearance he—I know he never had an at bat, and he only scored a run. And <laughs> I know he had no defensive. That's he had no defensive chances whatsoever. His only statistic in all of major leagues <laughs> is they run scored. That's but he's all he had. but he's in the book. Oh, absolutely. He's in the book as a major leaguer. David, you got some uh, updated information on a Dale Swan? Yeah, it was, Swain. it was actually 12 seasons, not 13. Oh. But he had, uh, oh, that changes everything. 2,526 at-bats in the majors. 
Well, you see, so he's averaging 200 at bats a season, and I bet you if you look at like his, he probably played like every single position at one point in his career. So, I see, I like guys like that. You know, that they really had to work at it, figure stuff out. Hopefully he could uh, uh, be all right. So, now, David Olson brought up a uh, interesting question here, one that Dale Swayam might have to ponder, Big Dog, try to take away your objectivity. And I know as a radio sports talk professional, you're able to do that. If you get the offer from the Boston Red Sox, think about everything, the talent, the city, the media, the uh, opportunity, the winning tradition, or you get an offer from the Chicago Cubs, what do you think of Dale Swayam and Mrs. Swayam are weighing right now? Well, you know what? If the money is the same, yep. Okay. If you think about the fact that uh, in Chicago, they're going to give you at least a year before they get on you. Okay. Nobody can really truly expect the Cubs to go to the playoffs next year unless yep. maybe they sign Prince Fielder and Mark Burley and a bunch of you know. I mean, it fix a lot of issues immediately with the Cubs. Yeah, you got a you got a mulligan right away in year number one. Next year, my quad uh, didn't get a didn't get a mulligan. Well, because they changed general managers. No. But you're right. Hey, but, you're, but you know you're you're right there because I don't know if he would have got the mulligan anyways if they didn't. He might have been fired anyway, honestly. But I, if you go to Boston and you fail immediately, if you have a four game losing streak in April, they will bend you over and brand you a loser. And it's April, so there's a lot different. And if you go in and win a World Series over the next four years, one in four years, they're like, okay, you did your job, and they'll shrug their shoulders. Mm-hmm. If you win a World Series once over the next ten years as a manager, Dale Swain, in the, in the city of Chicago, they would just like at a Jewish wedding coach, they'll put you in a chair, they'll carry you around the streets of the city yep. of Chicago. Yep. I'm not kidding. I mean, he will be king. If yeah, the money is the same, and trust me, it's the intensity of Chicago and Boston, if you do a poor job, after after your number one predict, it'll be exactly the same. Let's not try to act like it's all hugs and kisses here in the city of Chicago, but because of the way these two teams are set up and the way the Cubs have drafted in their mm-hmm. minor league system, rated number one in all of baseball right now, I take the Cub job seriously. And you know I'm objective. I would take the Cub job. Yeah, I, I would have the same mindset as you. I would look at it that way psychologically too. You only got one way to go up. You know, a little more optimism with the Chicago Cubs. On the other hand, David Olson, a lot of people of the. Uh, more practical variety, Big Dog. You do look at the talent differential between the two teams. Maybe a better opportunity to win right off the bat with the Boston Red Sox. Again, I I would take your psychological approach, but you have to understand there are people that would say, hey, uh, at least I think you could say right now Boston's significantly ahead of the Cub and in talent at the major league level. You know, Coach, you are 100% right. When you look at the fact they got Adrian Gonzalez and Jacoby Ellsbury and Carl Crawford next year, has got to be better than a 300 on base percentage. Uh, you know what I mean? That's uh, he's got to be on the upswing. Uh, they've got Victor Martinez at catcher. I mean, this team is loaded. But when, what, it, what does it take to win a World Series? It's, it's pitching. And right now, Josh Beckett, do you really think he can pitch a whole season next year and the postseason? I mean, John Lester, maybe he could, but he he seems to be getting tired every single year at the end of the year. So. Boston might be one of those things that right, it might be the book with the shiny cover right now, but when you realize it, you know, I mean, they're not as deep as you might think in order to win a World Series. Mm-hmm. Cub fans so, want to hear from you out there. Is apparently an offer hath been made. No, uh, no word yet from Dale Swyman. He might exactly or might in fact be waiting for the uh, 
Boston Red Sox and see if that is a situation you might be interested in as well. 888-463-6748-888-463-6748. But uh, interesting, and I guess to some extent, Big Doe, based on track record, uh, you have to have confidence in uh, Theo Epstein and company, Jed Hoyer and the boys, for picking the right guy. They certainly did in Boston when they picked Terry Francona. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think their number two choice at the time was a some at that point, Somewhat nondescript Joe Men, who turned yeah, out to I, be a hell of a coach. So they they must know something about picking the right managers. I have to admit, I heard that. I didn't realize that Joe Madden was a uh, yeah. So I have no problem with whoever they choose. I'm going to say good job, fellas. I really appreciate that. Uh, now you brought up a point of like the talent right now in the organization. That's also an obviously a, a way to entice the manager to to come over. Well, what about the people you could bring in the same year, like possibly sign a. Uh, a Prince Fielder. So in order to get Prince Fielder here, we we have to contact the best vegetarian personal chef in Chicago yep. and c- contact them with Dale Swain, the Chicago Cubs, to let them know they are hiring this guy to work for work for Cecil Fielder next year. Cause you, I mean, Prince Fielder, you've seen him. That's a big dude, Coach. He's going to need his own personal chef because it's going to take an awful lot of broccoli to fill that dude up. Large. Large individual, no doubt about it. Amazingly adept, by the way, in the field. For a big guy, uh, his feet, uh, his feet uh, are pretty really, good. Did, you, did What's, you just say, no, he's got good feet. Coach, he's, he's abysmal in the field. No, he's not. Get, the, the Stratomatic baseball game, the ratings of one through five for your fielding, he would get a four or a five. Right, he's never gotten high. He's never gotten a three in his whole major league career. I don't know. I've, the, the times I've watched him, I, I guess maybe you expect the worst, so I'm not going to say he's a great fielder. I always thought he was a lot better than you would think for a man with uh, extreme rotundo. He's he's very bad on plays that he has to, like, field the ball and throw it. Uh-huh. You know, like, that's what maybe you remember when people just used to bunt the ball at Frank Thomas and they'd get on base because he wouldn't know what to do. All right. It's hilarious. So great. That's exactly how Prince Fielder's. But he's better than Carlos Pena at catching bad throws, Aaron throws from his infielders. And with Carlos Carmen Castro, you got to be really good at that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm with you on that, Coach. I bring, you, I bring him over here. I want him. Right. But, but, but you're not implying that uh, the new Cub regime, because it sounds like they're going to build from within, build a minor league system. They're not going to go out and bring a ton of veterans in right away. I don't think you're implying that, but but they might maybe bring one or two to, to add to the young kids. I would ask. That's exactly what I want them to do. Yeah. Sign for a fielder and everybody else, we're building. We're building with young guys, but we just want one guy in the middle of the order that we know is going to give us 40 home runs and 120 mm-hmm. RBIs, and there's only four of those in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. So, And then everybody else is going to have to make contact, run the bases, and catch the ball. And we're going to have Prince Fielder in here drive all you little rabbits in. I mean, if that happened, Coach, you have no idea how happy I would be. I'd be, like, skipping around my house. <laughs> and Wrigley Field Wall it would seem awful short with uh, Prince Fielder at bat. He could almost reach over and put it halfway to the uh, to the wall at Wrigley. He'd be an interesting look for the uh, Chicago Cubs. Something different, something they haven't had for a while. Carlos Pena, though, he grew on me as the season wore on, Big Dog. I'd still like to see him around in some capacity. In fact, some people have talked about him possibly as a coach, maybe even a player coach. Would uh, you think Theo would keep him on as a uh, part-time player, part-time coach? Because he's, he's, he's a major league coach down the road. You can see his leadership ability. How much are you going to pay a guy like that, Coach? Yeah. I, I mean, I, you can't pay a guy that's going to not play for you more than a million and a half bucks a season. Yeah. I mean, what, are you going to play left field? 
I mean, he, defensively, he would be an upgrade from Soriano. And we have never even seen him in left field yet. I'm just assuming that. So. <laughs> Automatically an upgrade, huh? Yes. Sight yeah. unseen? I'm just assuming, Coach. You at least have an idea. He's smart enough that when a coach told him to do something, he would do it instead of just repeating the same mistake over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. How about that? Well, we got Darwin Barney at second base, so we can cover up all the mistakes at first base. But uh, anyhow, well, I, you're right. They're not going to keep both those guys because Carlos Pena drawed a big salary. But uh, I did like the attitude of Carlos Pena. I like the fact that he did draw some walks. Didn't like the fact that his batting average wasn't very good and he struck out too much. But um, – he grew on me. What can I tell you? He grew on me as the season wore on, Mr. Pena. Yeah, he, he was exactly what I thought he'd be for the Chicago Cubs. That's why the Tampa Bay Rays let him go. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's always he's going to hit 225 and have 180 strikeouts and hit 30 home runs every single season. And he's going to be a good guy and never be a problem in the clubhouse. So mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. Okay. Well, 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 if you're getting $12 million a year, one could argue with that. But you're right. There's nothing wrong with that. By the way, we were talking about salaries yesterday. Who were Yeah, Burley. You know, we were yeah. talking about what four years for fourteen million, and they're saying he might. Said, that's what you said, and I laughed. That he might remember. get fourteen million a year. Yeah, that's what I was Ooh. saying. When they get that, that's that sounds about right, coach. It doesn't. What well, doesn't sound about right to me? Sounds like they're way overpaying him. I guess based on market value, there's not that many starting pitchers available, so it's the old law of supply and demand. But boy, are you? I mean, I like Mark Burley, good pitcher, tail end of his career. He can still give you innings, as you said. He can eat up. Innings, but more than eat him up, he can, you know, keep the score down for the most part. He's not dominant. But 14 a year? No, no, no. no. That's, that's, I totally agree with you. He's getting overpaid. If you remember what the number I said yesterday, said I would love that the Cubs signed him three years, $24 million. I, that, was, that would be awesome. And he can be our number four or number three starter. And you, you're going to get a 3.5 ERA and 200 innings out of a guy. So. Yeah, the four, if he gets $14 million a year, I'll be shocked. But don't forget, that's the that's what he's saying he wants initially. Mm -hmm. I want a four-year, $56 million deal. It'll end up being a four-year, $42 million deal somewhere, and mm -hmm. still, which is still overpaid. Because if, you if you're making $10 million a year, you have to win 15 games as far as I'm concerned. You have to. It's period. Bingo. And, I, and that's, that's a 50-50 chance that Burley's going to win 15 games next year. Mm -hmm. I'd say it's a little bit less than 50-50, depending on the team he's pitching. But uh, at any rate, we will see about that. And maybe uh, tomorrow when we have our Football Friday show, Big Dog, your, it is possible that your award-winning Beat the Schmoes football predictions could be interrupted. Could be interrupted by the naming of the new leader of your favorite team, your Chicago Cup. We will see. But it appears Dale Swayam is going to be the guy. Well, that we'll just have to go one, two, three to the game if that happens. That won't be a problem. But, no, Dale Swayam has that offer. They, they're giving him an offer. So yeah. he's going to take it. Right. So well, that's, that's the whole point. We we might find out by tomorrow. We might find out by the end of the show. David Olson might, uh, you know, interrupt the uh, some great pontificate you are making later in the show and inform us that the Chicago Cubs have indeed found their manager for the 2012 season. Stranger things have happened. Do we know, is there a Mrs. Swaim? Are there little Swaimettes? I have no idea. About the Swaim or the Swaimettes, Coach. Okay. None at all. Because you are well aware if there is a Mrs. Swaim and some Swaimettes, they could weigh in the decision. In fact, there are rumors that uh, Mike Maddox's wife, with the kids and the whole family connection, I forget where they live, I think out west somewhere, that was a factor. There's rumors that Mike Maddox turned down the job, not because he didn't want to become the manager of the Chicago Cubs, because of uh, family reasons. So Mrs. Swaim might play a part in the whole thing before it's over. 
Well, well, I I, I didn't know you had you knew so much, Coach. Considering you asked me if he even was married. I'm just trying to present to you that the uh, the wife can play a big part, as can the family. We need to do some research, some background on the Dale Swain family. Thank you very much. You know, I I, I never really understood that. I figured you just do what made you happy, and that that should that would make the family happy. No. And now I'm just starting to realize that you do have to listen to other people. Absolutely. I'm just like finally realizing that I must really like somebody, Coach. And by the way, just want to let you know. That Tony Larusa played for more than just the Chicago Cubs, but Uh-oh. he did play. He appeared in only one game, and all he did was pinch run for uh, Ron Sancho, scored one run. But he played for the Athletics before that, coach. And he, his debut in Major League Baseball was in 1963, and he ended in 1973. Okay, and he only had 100 at bat. Oh, so you're so... talking about a career, a career minor leaguer that went up and down. He hit 199. So Tony Larusa. Appeared in more games than just with the Chicago Cubs, but he—I okay. remember hearing that growing up. He he appeared in one game as a Chicago Cub. I thought that was his whole career, and they sent him back out. I, I but thought no. I remember. I actually remember having a baseball card, I think, of an Oakland A Tony Larusa. I thought I was cracking up, but uh, no, right, no, so. you probably did. You probably did, and there, there was probably nine million of those, and there was probably seven Burke Campanarises on the same team. That's probably that's probably why you remember Tony Larusa because <laughs> without a doubt they would give you a million Tony Larusas. You would never get a Burt Campanaris off that team. Burt Campy Campanaris. David Olson, you got something for us? I do. What do you got? Uh, hold on a second. Oh, we have interrupting. We we oh, predicted wait, 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 baseball interruptus. We may in fact be getting baseball interruptus. That's right. We're going to get to know our managerial candidates. So hold on. Now uh, uh, he is indeed married. Okay. His wife's name is Darlene. Darlene. The couple has a daughter named Brittany, Uh-oh. and this is Brittany spelled B-R-I-T-T-A-N-E. Ah. And a son named Rustin. Rustin. Yes. Not Justin, not Rusty, but Rustin. Rustin. Interesting. He is a graduate of Pinole Valley California High School, where God he played him. basketball, football, and baseball. He earned All-State and All-America honors at quarterback. He turned down a football and basketball scholarship at Arizona State University to play professional baseball. Big Dog, I feel like this is Jim Lang uh, introducing uh, contestant number three on the dating game. He is the cousin of former Major Leaguer John Olerud. Wow. And he enjoys tennis, golf, fly fishing, and hunting. <laughs> I'll date the guy. His nickname is Nuts. Nuts. That's yeah. right. Wow. I'll take uh, whatever's standing behind uh, door number two. Remember, let's make a deal, Big Dog. Uh, I never watched that show, but I know what you're talking about. Now, I always had a crush stuff. on the uh, Carol Merrill, and, and Monty Hall would always go, do you want uh, box number one where Carol Merrill was standing, box number two where Carol Merrill was standing, or box number three where Carol Merrill was standing? And I always said, I'll take Carol Merrill. <laughs> Thank you very much. But uh, all right, so uh, uh, a daughter named Brittany and a son named Rustin. Interesting. A- at least I think it's Brittany. Okay. I mean, it, oh, it could be Bertain. Yeah, it could be Bertain. Interesting. Could be. All right, so the the kids could play a part of this. You know, Rustin could be part of a uh, you know competitive travel team on a basketball team. He doesn't want to give up, big dog. So things like this can get in the way, but we'll see. Dale well, Swain. The move, the move from Milwaukee to Chicago isn't that big of a deal. That's though. true. That's true. It's a short he's really ride. He's really team, and he's making $3 million a year as the Cubs manager. 
I think if you've got him going to Boston or going, if, if, if that's part of it, the kids, they're going to Chicago. I don't know. It depends because, you know, with, with kids' names like that, the wife is high maintenance. Oh, a little psychological analysis. Well, here. it's true. It's I true. will take the Chicago, Michigan <laughs> Avenue shopping over any shopping in the world except possibly Hong Kong and Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. But if the Red Sox offer more money, what David is saying, without knowing her, it's a quantum leap in a predicted personality status. But if, in fact, David is right, she might uh, like the money factor in Boston a little bit more than what the Chicago Cubs are offering. As we t- well, start to fire on Mrs. Swaim, someone we don't even know. For no apparent reason. <laughs> but no, no, There's a really good reason. You have a, a point about those names. Those, that is, I, I really have to find out that hopefully the wife picked the names out. Okay. But then again, that means he let her have it. Oh, yeah. Well, you, there, there's no doubt she picked those names. There's, there's no doubt. <laughs> Don't you want a manager who can put his foot down? It's a good point. Or is it okay? Or is it, I mean, is it going to be like, hey, I want to name the kids for, for change? <laughs> okay, you know, you know, Skip. Uh, I don't know if I can do the pregame sprints. My hands, my hands are starting to bit. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> you think- eat chicken in the clubhouse? You know, we can't have this coach. Dale Sherman now he's out. He's out. <laughs> Do you think these things came up in the interview process that a Theo Epstein <laughs> asked the tough questions that the big dog and the coach are in fact asking? Well, supposedly it's one of the most non-conventional ways to actually pick a manager. Right. Oh yeah, they should have done stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, they don't actually do the sit-down interview, which I completely agree with because there's people that are outstanding at interviewing and suck at the job. Not just baseball, whatever job it might be. There's others that might not be so good in the interview process, but are actually very good in doing the job. So I, I would, you know, the traditional interview, I think, uh, should be very much on the way out. Hopefully, Theo is setting a trend for businesses and corporations to uh, follow down the road. Yeah, that's Thank you very much. the next one I go into. Yeah. You'd actually be good as a, uh, what do they call it, a, a job recruiter? No, uh, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be any good. Yeah, actually, I think you would. You've been around the block. You've been in so many jobs. I think you could pick out, uh, you know, the correct person for the correct job. That you, what do they call job search companies? There's a job placement. Yeah, there's even a fancier name for. It. I'll tell you what, though. I know a couple of people in it. Big money. If you're good at it, big money for setting up the right person with the right company. Okay, that's what you saying. Yeah. I think. So you, know, you got those uh, headhunter. You talking about headhunting? Yeah, that's another definition of it. Yeah, well, yeah, well, right now you got uh, 8 million people looking for two jobs right now. So, yeah, headhunting is a very difficult occupation right now. Well, usually the headhunters are looking more at the, the top of the scope, and not all of those 8 million people can fill in that job. But we digress once again. Let's stop digressing. That's part of the very core of the show. Bottom line is, baseball-wise, you got the uh, Cubs offering Dale Swain. We'll see how that um unfolds big dog and again tomorrow we might be talking about it in addition to all the football games also on the baseball front we should manager uh we should mention the managers of the year were named yesterday and it went to uh, kirk gibson of the arizona diamondbacks quietly doing a great job with them and the aforementioned joe madden from the tampa bay rays i'm assuming you're okay with both those picks oh absolutely coach they're, they're, i think those were laydowns on you had to give it to joe madden how the the tampa bay rays played the last five months of the season. They were horrible in April, and they totally turned around, and then the push they put in September was was just great. And, and Kurt Gibson thoroughly changed uh, the atmosphere in Arizona. It was the first-year manager, and they went from last place to first place. 
But then again, Kevin Towers, if you're talking about if, if Kurt Gibson is going to win the manager of the year, Kevin Towers should win GM of the year because mm-hmm. he's the one who cleaned house in Arizona and basically fired everybody in the bullpen and brought in a brand-new bullpen, and all of a sudden they won the division. Mm-hmm. So that's, so we'll see what happens there, but good choices for the manager. Now, today is the National League Cy Young Award winner, Coach. Interesting. And this is an extremely controversial one, and I have a very strong opinion on it. If Clayton Kershaw doesn't win this, I'm going to be really upset. If they give it to Roy Halladay, basically on reputation alone at some point, Clayton Kershaw won the National League Triple Crown, and people are saying that of the 32 voters, a lot of them are going to vote for Roy Halladay. I, I can't. You, he had the most wins. He had the best ERA, and he had the most strikeouts, and it was on a team that was horrible this season. So it's I don't know. We'll see. This is, it's going to be a kind because don't forget, Ian Kennedy's in it, and Keith uh, and Cliff Lee is in it. So this National League race is really big today. I. I think you will uh, you'll be satisfied with the final vote. My uh, my baseball instincts tell me that it's going to be Clayton Kershaw, and I, 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 know, I know you mean no disrespect to Roy Halladay because he had a tremendous season, but um, none, absolutely none to yeah. Halladay or Kennedy. Don't forget, Ian Kennedy was twenty one and four. He had the highest winning percentage in the national in baseball. So no, no, in the National League because Verlander had the best in baseball. So, I mean, just when I've been hearing people saying, you know, a lot of votes are going to go to hell, and I'm like, really? It just doesn't make, I, I hope not. Clayton Kershaw should win it unanimously. If you win the National League Triple Crown in pitching, you should be the med, you should be the MVP of the, the Cy Young period. Uh, Cinemax Cindy emailing in. She wants to know uh, two things. What are the chances Yars Jorgens, if that's how you pronounce it, the Atlanta Brave pitcher will get some vote? And two, she wants to know how is the rash in the back going? Uh, I didn't have the rash in the back. That was that's a that's a caller or, ah, or okay. an emailer. All right. So uh, at least hopefully it is because I I, I felt really really good lately. <laughs> so, All right. Fuerte, very strong. All right. And uh, Yarier Jurgens should not get a top five vote. No. He, he would have. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. If they would have done the vote in mid July, he might have been top three. He would might have won it in the National League yes. at that point. He was he had a great first half of the yep. season, coach. And then uh, it was either elbow or shoulder or something, his typical mm-hmm. pitcher stuff that he, he gets every year. He's not fit a pitch the whole season. But if you look at his his first six years in the major league, that's really good to a half season for somebody. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, one other thought I had on Joe Madden, too. You mentioned the five-month period, and the, you mentioned that last month, which was uh, unbelievable, with the Boston Red Sox collapsing on the Tampa Bay Rays, catching fire. It caught the imagination of... All the sports fans, an amazing collapse by one team, an amazing comeback by another. But don't forget the job he did the three months before that when he took a Tampa Bay Ray team, which, you know, had a little bit of talent, but could, with a lesser manager, at least in my opinion, could have been 15, 20 games below 500. For those three months in the middle of the summer, he kept that team battling. They had some win streaks along the way. He kept them in position. For that final month when they caught fire, but the three months he did in the middle of the summer might have been the best managing job of all. That's, that's what I said, Coach. I said they were horrible the first month, and then yep. the last five months they were good. I mean, because after the first month of the season, they were the in last place in the American League East, and they were horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they were like eight and nineteen or something like that. It was really really bad. I know they were like two and twelve at one point in the season. So when you don't lose a team like that, who everybody predicts to be bad, and then all of a sudden you start out like that, a lot of teams will, will cave in. 
you know, it's it's easy for the Red Sox to bounce back when the Red Sox had almost the same record at the same time. They knew they were going to be good. The race had a bunch of rookies again and had lost, what, six or – they lost about nine players, if you think about it. David Benoit, Carl Crawford, Matt Garza, Carlos Pena. You just keep going on and on. They lost a bunch of players, Coach. Okay. So we'll see. By the way, Ron Renicky, the Milwaukee Brewer manager, second place in the National League, Jim Leland took second place in the American League. Let's get off the baseball bandwagon for a second. Sure. We'll uh, get to football in just a second. Do want to preview some of the games. Don't forget tomorrow, Football Friday. Beat the Schmoes. Here are the two guys at a mic show. Producer David Olson, our leader in Beat the Schmoes, will make his picks. And then uh, nobody cares, but me and Big Dog will make our picks as well. But real quick, before we forget, Big Dog, an interesting story in the world of golf, the, the President's Cup. I don't know if you're following this or not, but Tiger Woods got picked for the team. Got yeah, teamed with Steve Stricker, and then they had to go up against Adam Scott, whose caddy is Steve Williams, Tiger's old caddy. Yeah, that's, that's pretty ironic, isn't it, Coach? And then they played when? Was it this morning or yesterday or overnight? They, because yeah, they played they played this morning, which was afternoon in Australia. Okay. The, the news came on ESPN. I just turned it off and walked in. I could care less. I'm, like the last the last I need is to hear about a caddy caddy. Well, I think the bigger story, <laughs> the bigger story, it's kind of an interesting, you know, Tiger playing in the same foursome. That had to be uncomfortable, no doubt. But uh, Royal Melbourne Golf Course, Melbourne, Australia, the ninth annual President's Cup, Big Dog. Uh, what are your favorite memories from the first eight? Um, I, I have to admit, Coach, I've been blown away by it. It's just the word. I can't even find words for it. Yeah. Right. I, the words would be like, I've never seen it. I was going to say, it's the ninth I annual. I didn't I didn't know the first eight even took place. But apparently, Tiger Woods and his partner, Steve Stricker, had one of the worst scores ever. They got blown out of the water, totally blew up, and everybody's asking, is this the end of Tiger Woods? But he had a horrible day this morning. Did he really? Oh, no. He can't. You know what? When he was the pristine you know, uh, guy that had nothing wrong with him, he was unbeatable and now unflappable, you know, totally focused, all that stuff. And now that we, we see that it was all just a facade, now he can he can never back it up anymore. And I started, I kind of wanted to root for him because so many people took shots at him. But, wow, he hasn't been able to rebound whatsoever. He has not won a tournament since all this has happened. The story's that, not over yet now. The, the, you know, the book has not been closed. He hasn't retired, so things could change. Who knows which way it will go, but, boy. Now, the only thing I'd question you with, it was a total facade. Well, it wasn't a facade. The guy worked his ass off to become the best golfer in the world, even though his dad had... uh, I met, like, the whole, like, oh, I'm a Stanford grad and the the great person, do charitable work and blah, blah, blah. It was all like, no, that was... He goes out drinking with the boys and parties all the time. I said, there's anything wrong with that. I have no problem with that. I just, you know, if that's what I do, I... I portray that. That's how I've acted. So I don't try to act like I'm pristine without any problem. So, okay. you know, that's, that's, that's all that I, I just was never about. aware that Tiger was trying to push that particular attitude. So I, I don't know that I had never, ever had that feeling that he was trying to be the all-American boy. I mean, obviously there was stuff going on that we didn't know about it uh, that cut down the character a little bit. But I, I didn't know he had that built up that kind of reputation. I, I, I thought so. I always felt that. Okay. That's how they built him up. I know Nike tried to do that. Hey. His father definitely tried to do it. Between two consenting adults, Big Dog is, you know, that day. Hey, who are we to judge? Or in Tiger Woods' case, more often than not, 
between four or five consenting adults. <laughs> or, or up to 23. <laughs> All at the same time. That's a lot of consent. i got to tell you, it's a lot of consenting going on. If you think Woo. about it, there's that much consent for one thing. It's unbelievable. And it's unanimous. You know, sometimes you just got to let it happen. <laughs> Well, the only problem I think most people would say is if you're going to do that, that's fine. You're on top of the world. You got the money. Again, consenting adult or adults, plural. But why get married? Amen. Amen. He gets married, taking all the family pictures. You know, he comes up kissing the wife after winning the tournament. And we know that. Who knows? what? You know what I mean? It just, just cracks me up. And he always played the, you know, holding, I, oh, I just want to be a good family man like my dad was to me. All the, always interviewing like that. All of a sudden we find all this stuff about it. And I was like, Arr! it was all just, it was all fake. Yes, he did work hard. I'm not talking about his talent and his play. I'm talking about the way he tried to, he and his marketing machine tried to portray himself to the rest of the world. Yeah, they and now say. That he's been exposed, it's affected his game is what I'm saying. Oof. It's mentally, he is a broken man. It's like, you know, all you had truly was golf, Tiger. So you need to focus on that, and you'll get back to playing the way you were. So, yeah, and he needs to be—he needs to be a pain in the butt on the golf course. I think he, you know, he would swear at people and just be a pain in the pain in the butt. Well, he can't do that anymore because if he does, and now everyone's going to be like, "See, he really is a jerk." Mm-hmm. So if, if he got, you know, what he should be like, you know, what I am a jerk. Uh, I, I cheated on my wife all the time. You know what? I, I'm just going to be a playboy from now on. I'm going to play some golf. You know what? He would actually win me over if he did that. You know when and the whole some golf. I agree with you. When the, when the whole Penn State thing came out last week, we brought up uh, kind of an interesting, if not tragic, comedy situation of great pro athletes or coaches who have come crashing down in such dramatic fashion. And we brought up O.J. Simpson. We came up with a couple of them and. Uh, we failed to come up with the guy we're talking about as a classic example. Classic example. You got to put Tiger Woods in that team picture of great athletes who came crashing down in a very immediate uh, way. Oh, we didn't have him on that. List I don't that think day? we did. Okay, well we should have if we didn't. Yeah, I hold our producer David Olson responsible for that because he clearly, clearly should have been the list. I, I usually re- listen to all of our shows on archive. I listen to them five times in a row on Sundays, coach, to prepare. That's like that's that's twenty five hours in twenty four hours. It's difficult, coach. Yep. So it's uh so I do that on Sunday. That's why I haven't found that out yet. A lot of people find listening to us just you know the first time through painful. You go back and listen to the tapes. By the second, third, fourth time, it's got to truly be a painful experience, Big Dub. But you do it because you're a professional. <laughs> yes, yeah, true yeah. professional. What a bunch uh, of crap that is. All right, real quickly, we got our. Uh, Favorite football expert on the phone. Let's talk a little bit of football here. Our guy, Pigskin Boy, normally checks in on Friday, probably going out of town tomorrow. Maybe he's got a – who knows what he might be doing, but he's checking in on Thursday instead of a Friday. We'll take him any time we can get him. It's football fan, Pigskin Boy, checking in. Pigskin, how are you? Oh, uh, I'm your favorite I'm your favorite guy named Pigskin Boy. Uh... No, no, no. You're our favorite football guy, and your name is Pigskin Boy. Please don't uh... – don't twist my words around to make it sound like I was insulting you. Hey, hey, so sensitive. We're talking football. <laughs> Actually, we haven't been talking. Thank goodness you called because me and the big dog have been off on baseball and the whole Tiger Woods thing. We do got football weekend coming up. And one thing I started off the show was, guys, I looked at the college football slate for this weekend. A lot of teams are off. 
we are in the uh, the tail end mode now in college football. A bunch of teams not playing. It's we're coming to the swan song. Now, there's enough games out there, Coach. We got a uh, what Ohio State uh, playing Penn State, right. Illinois, Wisconsin. There's, there's right. enough. I didn't say there's not good games. I just said it was interesting to note that a lot of teams are nearing the end of their uh, regular season. The game I love, by the way, Pigskin. I know you're a NFL guy, but you'll see a lot of NFL players playing in this game. It's Oregon at USC. That is must-see football TV. Yes, it is. Hey, I'm glad you mentioned this, Coach, because did, did you or Joel or Dave happen to see the end of the Northern Illinois game the other night? Oh, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. With the with the fireworks that went off yep. prematurely? Uh, obviously, you don't listen to the show very often, Pigskin. Yeah, I was talking about that yesterday. Without question, one of the greatest Mac moments that you can have <laughs> is a Tuesday night, at 11 o'clock, the fireworks going on. People on I-88 probably almost crashed as they were driving past the stadium. <laughs> they let they, they fire the fireworks off after the field goal, not realizing that uh, the game was still had about what 11 seconds to go. Pigskin boys. Um, Without, oh, they had the, they had the they, they had the kickoff and then one one you know one more play, uh, like California Stanford play. But the best thing, Joel, was the announcers. The announcers were pitch perfect. They were just kind of chuckling and laughing. And the other thing was, this wasn't like one firework coach every five minutes. This was the finale. <laughs> it, it, was, it, it was five minutes long, wouldn't you say, because it went off after the field goal, and then they came back from commercial, and the fireworks are still going on for the kickoff in the last play. And you could <laughs> see them, the camera angle from the end zone. So you have the two teams lining up for the kickoff, and clearly in the background – or, or the fireworks going off, it was absolutely precious. One of the best moments of this month. <laughs> absolutely. The fireworks, and the, and the announcer said, I don't think they're going to stop. <laughs> were, were any of the players smiling? Did anybody find the humor? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, everybody, everybody in the place was laughing and cracking up about it, except for the people on the Ball State skylines who were, didn't think it was too amusing that fireworks were As a matter of fact, they were getting fired up. They're like, oh, they think this game is over? They were doing all that stuff. So it, it made it, the, the Northern Illinois coaching staff was like, they realized how it was antagonizing the Ball State uh, sidelines. They were yeah. trying to calm the Northern Illinois players down. It was a pretty cool thing to see. Because talk about having a coach on the run. You're like, hold on, there's fireworks going on. How is this affecting my team with an 11 point, with a, you know, a lead with 11 seconds to go? So I thought it was a pretty interesting play, coach. I can hardly wait to find out what Ball State's going to have planned for Northern Illinois when they come traveling to Muncie, Indiana next year. Uh, Morgana the Kissing Bandit, coach. <laughs> or Morgana and a whole lot of Kissing Bandits. Yeah. By the yeah. way, watch out for Ball State men's volleyball. My good buddy Matt Lesky, six foot seven inch outside hitter for the, uh, Fighting Ball State Cardinal, one of the top men's volleyball teams around. I got to put a plug in for that. I might get paid for that. Thank you very much, Pigskin. What else in your football mind besides uh, NIU Husky football? Well, I predicted uh, to my good friend who we uh, go to the Bears games all the time that the Bears would crush the uh, Lions, not be crush the Lions. I thought they'd take Stafford out. Um, I wasn't surprised at all. You know, again, when the Bears get four to six turnovers a game. They're going to win. And going back to the Super Bowl year, that's what they did. If they don't turn it over and they get turnovers, they usually win. That's one thing to look at. They really struggle when they don't 
um, when they don't get turnovers. And it continues to be a mystery to all United States citizens why you kick the ball to Devin Hester. Yeah. Don't even bring it up. Don't even bring no, I, I, I If you're a Chicago Bears fan, you never ask that question. Well, okay, it's, I, but I think Pigskin Boys' uh, analysis is correct. I think Barack Obama, where is he? He's in Australia right now, right, David? And he was talking to the, uh, you know, the Australian uh, dignitaries, and I think it was shown on Australian TV. And he basically mentioned, you know, three key things right now, you know, that he could not understand. One, how in his own country the Republican hindrance that he's getting. Two, the financial crisis in the European zone. And three, why people keep punting to Devin Hester. And yeah, I think that, he said not necessarily in that order, by the way. Go figure. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, well, we talked about it, Big Dog. Why don't you just kick the ball out of bounds? Punters should be talented enough where they kick it out of bounds without losing much more than five to six yards. Yeah, they should be good enough. They they really should be. Uh, I have no idea why they don't. I don't know why. Well, no idea why they can't. I just hope they keep on kicking the ball to him because if he gets four punt returns a game, he'll have four punt return touchdowns by the end of the season because he returns about one. Out of every 16 to 17 punts, he returns for touchdowns. So that four touchdowns at the end of the season, that means the Bears would have probably two extra wins because, let's face it, NFL games, especially the Bears, they're not going to blow many people out. I know they, they did it to the Lions and, and Pigskin, and I thought it was going to happen. But it, that could be two extra wins this year for the Chicago Bears if you keep hunting the ball to mm-hmm. him. Please, yeah, people, well, keep hunting. Well, we're, we're just in history. You'll have to help me with um, – he is now second – to an ex-Bronco player who escapes me for total yards on kickoff and punt returns in the history of the NFL. There, he's, he's moved up into second place. He's going to break the record by a lot. Um, there's nobody really going to be close no, to him. No, no, no. You're talking about the combined, combined punt and, and kick return yardage for a career? For a career. Who's the Denver player? Armstrong? Just to let you know, I just can't believe you looked that up because five days ago I looked that up before the Detroit Lion game. Devin Hester is eighth all time in, in career kickoff and oh, return yardage. The and per- he will never break the number one record ever. He will never last that long. Isn't the Denver player Pigskin thinking about the ex Purdue superstar Rick Upchurch? Well, are you, Rick Upchurch has like the fourth most punt returns of all or touchdowns of all time, but his yardage isn't that high for a career because he was like a, he was like a shooting star mm-hmm. from seventy six to eighty three. He was awesome, right? But he didn't. He did. Brian Mitchell has nineteen thousand kickoff and punt return yards. Devin wow. Hester has fifty six hundred. So he needs thirteen thousand five hundred more to go. And by the way, nobody in NFL history has that much. The guy in second place has eleven thousand. That's the best he way I can Hall, say it. Is Brian Mitchell in the Hall of Fame? Dev Esther's in the Hall of Fame, period. Right now, Brian Mitchell will never be in the Hall of Fame because Brian Mitchell has half as many touchdowns as Devin Hester does, even though he has three times as many returns as Devin Hester. So put, do the math on that one. That's how good Devin Hester is. He, he should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not as sure as Big Dog is, though, because some of these old fogey Hall of Fame voters, they got something against special teams players. If you look... And who's in and who's out? I mean, Hester, here, I'll give you the simple, uh, the best way I can describe it. Ray Guy, the most dominant punter of all time, and he did it for a lot of years, is not in the Hall of Fame. I think that says that Devin Hester is not a lock, not by any means. 
No, no, there's only one special teamer in the, in the Hall of Fame whatsoever. Uh, there's only one kicker in the Hall of Fame. But Devin, you got to put Devin Hester in the Hall of Fame. Well, let's see. Like, hopefully he'll continue to uh, to return kicks the way he has. Let him get the 10,000 uh, kick and punt return yards. Hopefully by then he'll have the most non-offensive touchdowns in the history of the NFL. He's got 18 right now, non-offensive touchdowns. Who, who's the one guy that's in? Is it Jan Stenerud? Jan Stenerud is the kicker. Yeah, which is, that's ridiculous. I mean, there, I'm not saying there should be 15 kickers, but there should be four or five or six. What about a Morton Anderson? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Morton Anderson Ray should Guy, be in there. I agree with you. Ray Guy deserves to be in there, without a doubt. Oh, Ray, Guy Ray, Guy, Ray, Ray Guy and Reggie Roby. What about Patrick Manley? A long snapper's got to be represented, right? Oof. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You, you know, it's, I start to get in your philosophy of the Hall of Fame, but Patrick Manley, he's incredible. How many years he's done it, and I, I don't. I every time I say this, I hesitate to say it because I feel like I'm jinxing him. But I've done it enough, and it hasn't affected him. I can never remember, never. Not only not a bad snap, but even one of our holders like reaching up to the left or to the right. The guy is on the money, on the mark, and he's been doing it. How many years, Pigskin, for a Patrick Manley? Oh goodness, you know he he might be one of the longest uh, standing bears, so. Well, I have no idea. I'm going to say 10 years, 12. At least, I'd say. At least. Um, I know he's the highest-paid snapper in the league. Yeah, he is. He's the highest-paid snapper in the league. And I'm surprised the Australian president wasn't asking yeah. about him because he's from Australia. And as a matter of fact, he's he's told his um, he's told his uh, his friends back home what he did, and they're like, you get paid half a million dollars U.S. a year to throw a ball between your legs. And he's like, yeah, can you believe that? <laughs> Seriously, they can't uh, like that. They cannot believe um, uh, what what actually he gets paid to do that. Uh, okay, uh, uh, highest up. paid snapper in the NFL. That's about as um, prestigious as the best downhill skier in Louisiana. It's <laughs> about the comparison. Hey, Pigskin, real quick before we let you go, three fifteen game Chargers and the Bears. I started off earlier in the week. I said I'm beat the schmoes. I'm going to pick the Chargers. Don't have a good feeling about this at all. I think San Diego. Uh, is you know needs to win. The Bears can afford to lose psychologically advantage San Diego. As the week goes on, though, I'm feeling better and better about the Bear. What are your thoughts? Three fifteen Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field. Uh, I like the Bears in this one. Uh, I actually because of a fantasy thing, which I know they'll be like. Keep up with the Chargers. Their defense is playing very poorly now. They've had injuries. They're not playing very well. Bill Rivers, although capable of a 400 yard day, is also capable of a four interception day. He's had a very bad year for Phil Rivers, especially throwing interceptions. I think he has a dozen so far. Um, the, he has weapons, though, in Vincent Jackson and Gates. He's got a good running game with Ryan Matthews. He, he's, he'll, Ryan Matthews will probably be out with a hangnail or, you know, perhaps mm-hmm. the, the sniffles. I like uh, their other running back better. Colbert. Yeah, Mike Tolbert. He's going to get he's, you three or four every time he touches it. He's be- we, we might want Matthews in the lineup. I like Tolbert better. Yeah, and Tolbert's got a cold and windy day. Tolbert's a big, powerful guy, you know, who always drags guys along. Um, I like him too. Um, I like I like the Bears to pick Rivers off, and they're changing defenses. Um, so I I like the Bears for that reason. The Chargers are not playing very well defensively. I think they can get turnovers, play with a short field, and uh, perhaps reestablish Forte a little bit. But uh, I like the Bears coach. All right. Very good. You got to call in tomorrow with your beat the schmoes football picks. 
Yeah, I'm going to try. Yeah, let me. I got to look at it. I wouldn't have done very well last week, folks, but I promise I will. And if you know, if, any, if you guys could help me with college, I mean, I, I tell you what, whoever Illinois plays, I want. I'll take the other team. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Uh, well, if you're not doing very well and beat the schmoes, by the way, you'll be in good company with myself and the big dog tomorrow. What's that, dog? I still got a winning record on the season. Yeah. Boy, is it a weak winning record, though. It doesn't <laughs> feel like a winning record. Your, <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry. Your losses have been a lot more dramatic and memorable. Your victories have been weak. It's, it's, uh, I got to add it up. If it is a winning record, it's real soft. No, nah, it's a winning record. Take <laughs> a 15, actually. All right. Pigskin, great stuff. And I, you know what? I meant to tape that game and watch it. I got so caught up in all the college basketball. My first night sitting in the chair watching college hoop, I forgot to tune into the end of Northern Illinois game. I was watching the scores. I wanted to see it. I forgot. I heard that was a classic. Is that something you can catch on YouTube, maybe, Big Doug? Uh, I, most likely you'll be able to get that on YouTube, or if you just watch ESPNU, they'll probably have a replay of it uh, some sometime throughout the week, Coach. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal game, though. Yeah, even up to that. It was a great comeback by Northern Illinois. All right, Pigskin, we appreciate the call. Be safe out there, and uh, don't get in any trouble, okay? Thanks, guys. We'll check you tomorrow. God bless you. Later. Pigskin checking in. You can, too, at 888-463-6748, 888 uh, what do you think? By the way, I misspoke. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is uh, USC at Oregon. Big Dog, are you, along with me, thinking that could be a great game? And what do you feel? That's probably the college football game of the weekend. Uh, how do you see that one going? No, it, it definitely is. I mean, USC's got all kinds of talent. It's just really, really young. And and Oregon can flat out fly. And now Oregon thinks they're in the middle of uh, of the national championship picture again. So, you know, we'll see how that ends up working out for, for Oregon. So, uh, I, I honestly see Oregon winning by more than 10 points in this game, Coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just don't stop. They keep coming, they keep coming, and they've got three halfbacks, and they spread you out. They run right up the middle, and these guys sprint for 50 yards. You know, they're going to have at least two runs of 50 yards today. It, it, it truly is amazing what they're doing up in Oregon right now. On the now. other hand, USC, and I agree with you on your analysis on Oregon, USC might match up better with Oregon. Stanford's defense tough but a little bit slow, especially in the front seven. USC, correct me if I'm wrong, a little more athletic, a little quicker, so they might be able to defend Oregon a bit better than the Stanford Cardinal were. No, no, you're exactly right. Now, offensively, you know, I thought Stanford was going to be able to con- you know, control the game at the line of scrimmage. They did early, and they didn't late. So that, that, was, that was definitely the difference. Of, it wasn't just like they didn't take advantage of the power they had, so they're, they're seeing them slow, being mm-hmm. slow, they were exposed. USC is just as fast as Oregon, let's face it. Yep. But uh, the coaching right now, Monty Kiffin versus uh, uh, Chip Kelly up there, they're in trouble. They're in serious trouble. Like he's the best coach in America right now offensively. Yeah, the way do. they practice, the way they do stuff, uh, Oregon's got themselves a national power. They're going to contend for the Pac-12 championship as long as he's there, which means that he'll be contending for a national mm-hmm. championship. Yeah, they've, they've had a few controversies around the program, too, Chip Kelly and uh... – I think it has to do with, I forget exactly what, but something with some major scouting services and that maybe yeah, they're... They were paying, he, somebody had a cash payment to a scouting service to a kid that all of a sudden at the last second decided to switch from going to Texas to Oregon. Okay, if you switch from going to TCU to Oregon, even though if you're a top five prospect, 
you're going to get away with it. At Texas, they hired some private eye. I'm not kidding you, Coach. They delved into how why this guy changed at the last second. Mm-hmm. They spent who, who knows how much money they spent to find out all this information, and then they turned it into the NCAA. The eyes of Texas are upon you. Oh, yeah. Let- so, yeah, be careful who you're stealing your prospects from. Yep. If you do that to Alabama, you're going to end up with a slit throat, okay? <laughs> so you better be seriously. Yeah. By the way, in the final 30 seconds, I'm, uh, I hate to bring the bad news to you, but for the 13th consecutive year, you did not make People Magazine's top 10 sexiest men in America. Heading the list this year, big dog, Bradley Cooper, number one sexiest man in America. I think, once again, you should have been somewhere. At least you should have been special mention. I definitely should have been in the top 13, Coach. Or you know what? honorable it's mention. Not, it's, not, it's not exactly how you look. And, and by the way, I've been uh, I've been doing some P90 Redwanski, Coach, and uh, I'm getting back in shape just to let you know. But but still, it isn't what you look like. It ain't how much money. It's how you carry yourself. Yeah, okay? absolutely. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the People Magazine thing. Bradley okay. Cooper, your winner, and uh, there's always next year, Big Dog. And uh, there are emailers that continue to ask, how is your core? My core is doing extremely well. Ah. Extremely well. The, the problem, yeah, that's, yeah, it's doing well. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's getting there. All right, getting, Doug. So. Tomorrow we got a football Friday. I got to be honest with you. I look down quickly. The NFL slate of game Sunday. Uh-huh. Could be a good weekend for an afternoon snooze. Wake up at about 3.15. Watch the Bears in San Diego. I'll look over it again and see if I can get excited about something. But we're not in the playoff hunt yet. We're kind of in the midseason I'm feeling a low on my NFL low. But we'll, we'll we'll go over it tomorrow. College football should be good, though. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. Too much complaining on your part is what I'm telling you. Yeah, you're right about that. And we could be talking about a new manager of your Chicago Cub also, Doug. I hope so, Coach. I, I don't want to sick. We need to fill that vacancy, Coach. If I have to do it, I'll do it. I put, I put your hat in the ring. All right, Big Dog and the Coach back at you tomorrow for Football Friday. David Olson, producer, thanks for a great job. TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic signing off. See you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.